Welcome to the Self Talk Radio Show. Mind Changing Radio. Welcome to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer, and my guest is talking about what great bosses never say to employees. What conversations do great bosses have with their employees? She's the author of two books Employee Development on a Shoestring, ASTD Press, and Strength to Strength How Working from Your Strengths Can Help You Lead a More Fulfilling Life. She's the founder of Talent Grow and Successful Podcaster. Please welcome Haleli Azulai on Self Talk Radio Show. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thanks for being on the show. How did you start Talent Grow? Uh, Talent Grow was started about 12 years ago, and it was something that probably for three years I was brewing before that, and finally decided to to take the leap and go into the unknown. Um, I felt that I wanted to start my own company. I wanted to have the experience of building something from the ground up, and I was very intrigued by the idea of having different clients because I'm pretty much a variety nut. So those were the, I guess, the motivations for it and the instigating uh, thing that kind of pushed me into it was a level of frustration that was high enough eventually with the pattern I was seeing in my employment world. I can tell you more about that if that's an area yeah, you want to go into. What was the frustration that you were having? So what I was noticing, I, um, I'm one of those kind of high achiever uh, type A personalities and I was doing great work, really being recognized, promoted, moving forward. And for a couple of different jobs, what was happening is there was a change at the top. Um, I, you know, I had a, a leader I really was um, following and uh, felt great alignment with, and then suddenly there was a change at the top. And a leader came in who didn't seem to have integrity as their number one value. And I felt a conflict, a conflict of, of interests and um, kind of a, a, a motivational problem with continuing to do something that I felt was not the right thing, out of integrity. And... Um, I, I had that in a couple of different jobs. So finally, when it happened the third time, I was like, you know, this might be a sign. (laughs) This might be a sign. I need to work for myself so that I can always say no to doing the wrong thing. Because when you're in a job, you can't really say no. Like you, I mean, you can try to influence, you can try to explain, you can try to influence. I, I tried, but eventually you have to like, okay, put your head down and do this. Cause that's what we're doing. Or you have to go somewhere else. And, uh, for me that that really settled it. Yeah. Now, now you're trained in Myers-Briggs personality testing. Are there certain types that are hardwired for leadership roles? Hmm. The nature or nurture question about leadership. So I'll say, yeah. Okay. The, the short answer is I think every kind of person can be a successful leader. Really? I don't, yes. I don't think that you have to be born with a certain set of traits or characteristics for you to be successful. And the, and the opposite is also true. There isn't, I don't think there is a human who, if they want to, cannot succeed as a leader, but there are definitely some correlations among certain types and being in leadership roles. That means that they end up in leadership roles. They sort of, um, look around and like find themselves leading others that can definitely happen. And for that, if you know, the Myers-Briggs, there are, um, these, these four dichotomies that you select between and the people that tend to have thinking versus feeling in the way that they make judgments 
And people that tend to have judging versus perceiving in the way that they orient their energy tend to find themselves in leadership roles or are more commonly found among leaders. So T and J in your four-letter type um, means that you're probably more likely to be um, among the people that are, are in leadership roles. But I don't. I think it's because they tend to make um, more like make decisions faster. And they t- so they're kind of decisive people, and I think that they tend to think more objectively rather than subjectively about things, and that tends to be the kinds of people that people want to follow or that are more assertive. But um, you don't have to be an assertive person to be a great leader. It's just that people tend to follow those and they tend to rise to the top. So what are some traits that would be desirable as a leader to, to inspire people to, to follow you in the, in the direction you're going, whether it's a business or a nonprofit or whatever you're trying to do? What are some traits? Yeah, because, you know, if you just think about what I was talking about, I mean, the fact that somebody's, you know, what you would call bossy doesn't make them a great leader. It just makes them bossy. So if you think about what are people looking for there again there are a lot of different traits that can make for a great leader and some of them can be in conflict one with the other like it's going to be hard for you to have both but you can Um, but I think that people want to see someone who has the ability to be visionary and to um, articulate a vision for others to follow that's I think a characteristic of many of the great leaders that we've seen Um, someone who's able to have empathy and vulnerability so they're, they're very decisive, they know what they want, but they're also able to see things from other, other people's perspective, other people's point of view, and try to put themselves in the shoes of the people that they lead, and that helps them connect. And people want to see that in their leader. They want to see that their leader is not some detached, aloof you know, a person sort of looking out into their horizon and seeing the vision, but can't understand what their struggles are. Um, so th- I would say those are a couple. There, there's a long list we can we can make. We're speaking with Haleli Azulai here. She is from Talent Grow on Self Talk Radio Show, and you have a list of the the top ten types of conversations great leaders have with every employee throughout the year. Now, I know a lot of employers do the. I I hate the dreaded employee evaluation that happens every six months where they sit you down and tell you everything you did wrong or how how do you as a boss how do you evaluate your employees because I think it's just as difficult for a boss to go through as an employee yeah what is a way of making that actually a productive meeting instead of the dreaded evaluation meeting yeah, because I'll tell you the secret the secret that everybody knows is that everybody hates those. Everybody, employees and bosses alike, hates them. And the other thing that we're finding out, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, is that they're really not that effective in a way, as a way of managing performance and creating great performance. So what I would say is instead of trying to make your once a year performance review a really effective one, I actually would suggest you ditch them. And this may be a controversial perspective for many employers to hear, but in fact, I think that the pendulum is swinging in that direction. I said this several years ago when it was just starting to, and now many more companies are joining in this pendulum swing towards letting go of that 
uh, of that process that thinks that once or twice a year, you sit down and you look at someone's goals and you give them feedback and you figure out what you want to do for the rest of the year. It's, it's ineffective. Now we can list many ways why this doesn't work, but I would say that it's probably better to focus on what can work instead. Yeah. What does work? And and you mentioned the 10 conversations. What I would say is instead of trying to save up all that leadership work for once or twice a year, you need to spread it out throughout the year. And you need to, as a leader, you need to be in the habit of having regular, ongoing, frequent conversations with every single one of your employees throughout the year. And then they don't have to be these long and formal and nervous and scary and uncomfortable conversations because they can become short, just in time, productive conversations that happen when they need to. They happen when things really are going on rather than saving things up and then cutting, you know, like, dumping them on someone uh, and often blindsiding citing them mm. when when you do. So for example, one of the conversations you should be having regularly with your conversation with your employees is having feedback conversations, right? So uh, we can all recall times when we've had that performance review and I just mentioned being blindsided, you know, where where you're sitting with your manager and they tell you something and they say, you know, three months ago when we had that really important project and you did blah, 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 that really wasn't very good and I would have really preferred that you did X. Are you kidding me? First of all, I can't go back in time and fix what I did three months ago, but I also don't even remember. So right. now we're going to have the whole, like he said, she said, I'm going to go, uh-uh, and you'll say, uh and we're on the playground. I mean, it's silly because it doesn't make any sense from any way that you look at it, and it can't really achieve the results. So what's the purpose of giving feedback? Well, the purpose of giving feedback should be to help the person do better, to help the results get better, to help the person learn, grow, improve. This is in the interest of the manager. It's in the interest of the company, and it's in the interest of the employee. So how do we learn? Well, we want to be able to get feedback as close as possible to the time when we did the performance, when we did the thing, as soon as possible, and in a way that helps us learn quickly to say, oh, I need to tweak this. Let me try it again, right? So if you think about the way you learned anything in your life, basically you tried it. You got some feedback either from natural consequences or a mentor or coach or somebody, and then you applied it and then you got some more feedback so that you can constantly iterate your performance. Having that three-month gap is in no way going to actually help your performance. What it does is it creates that that conflict, it creates um, unease, it creates dissatisfaction, and it can, it can create really this terrible downward spiral. What, in no way is this helpful. What if a boss has some negative feedback? How do you how do you give negative feedback without it being nagging or d- discouraging for the employee and actually constructive? Yeah, lots of people are really nervous about this. Look, all of us are imperfect. Every single one of us can do something in a way that's better. And all of us are trying to get better and want to, but it's how you deliver it. How you deliver it can make the huge difference, but mostly I would say it starts with your intention. So sometimes people find that, and they call it criticism, or negative feedback. If you think about it, whether if if the intention is to just 
nitpick or fix, you know, assume that you're broken and try to tell you it, then that's going to be perceived on, on the employee side. You know, they're, they're going to feel that you're there to cut them down rather than to build them up. But if your intention is to say, hey, I noticed you're doing this one thing. I just noticed you did that in the meeting, right? Like you catch them coming out of the meeting, you're talking and walking in the hallway together and you tell them, you know, I noticed in the meeting, um, there was this one point where Bob was speaking and you interrupted him. And I think that that's something that's going to get in your way of building a trusting relationship with Bob, but also other people notice it around you when you do that and they might become more reluctant to speak with you because they might be worried that you're going to cut them off too. So here's something. So were you aware of that? What did you think? Did you notice it? And let them talk about it. And then they can maybe make some suggestions. So what do you think might be something that you could do instead and have them brainstorm? And you can then add some of your comments. Well, here's something I've tried or here's something I've seen work. What do you think? Could you try that? Now, when we have this really quick conversation, it could be in the hallway, but privately, or it could be just a real quick, another, maybe the next day or something like this. The person remembers what happened. You allow them to reflect and you help them see that your intention is to help them avoid something that might be getting in their way of success. If you can explain the constructive reason, you can describe things in an observable and objective way rather than putting on it some subjective judgment from you. Like, I didn't say, hey, I noticed you were really rude and you interrupted Bob. I just said, I noticed that you you spoke while Bob was speaking. You interrupted him. And this is the impact that this could have. So I'm explaining why they should care about this. And now I've got them buying in, I hope, to receiving some and thinking about ways to improve, to change that. And this doesn't make it so that it's this heavy and scary conversation. Now, are they loving to hear that they might have done something that could be getting in their way of great performance? No, nobody enjoys that. But it gives them an opportunity to correct it quickly and to get more feedback. And I'm not hounding on them or doing it in this big, you know, official way that makes them feel nervous, but just intention is constructive. The delivery is objective and helpful. And then we move on. Halili Azulai is my guest today on Self Talk Radio Show. She's the founder and podcaster with Talent Grow. And when we come back, how to keep talented employees with a shoestring budget? We'll find out her answer coming back on Self Talk Radio Show. Can't sleep? Try this. Sleep Meditation offers soothing meditations to help you sleep like a baby and awaken what's inside. All you have to do is choose the meditation you want to listen to from our library at sleepmeditation.org. Click play and enjoy. If you want to keep the recording, purchase the downloads you want. Plus, Sleep Meditation offers specials on motivational pieces that help you start positive change, stop bad habits, or sleep like a baby. Sleepmeditation.org. Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest, Haleli Azulai. She is with Talent Grow. And we're back to ask a question specifically about if you want to hold on to a really talented employee, maybe you're working on a shoestring, how do you hold on to them if you really don't have the cash to pay them what, what a competitive uh, firm might be able to pay that person, that employee? One of the things that is coming through in studies that are being done by organizations like Gallup and others is that, yeah, people are interested in having a fair salary. People are definitely interested in being paid well. But what most people are saying when they're asked, why would you leave your job? Where, you know, what would you go look for in another job? It's actually not for more money. 
it's usually because they're feeling like they don't have a chance to grow and learn in the current job, and they're going to look for a job that will give them that. So I would say that a lot of times people are very focused on, I don't have enough money, I I, I you know, I can't compete with, you know, some of these like big four consulting firms and so forth. It's not necessarily the thing, the trump card. Lots of times people work for much smaller organizations where maybe their pay is not as great, but there are lots of other things that you can do to make that job be one of the most satisfying career uh, stopping points for that person. Uh, and I want to come back to that, you know, thinking about how long should you really expect to keep anybody anymore? Um, Ooh, but yeah, what, what, right? is the ans- what is the answer to that? I mean, <laughs> like to know. it's getting shorter and shorter. I yeah. think it's getting shorter and shorter. So I think that the people that are thinking about how can I keep somebody forever are just holding on to a reality that is gone. The, those days are over. Um, you know, think about like our, our grandparents or maybe our parents, they, you know, they would try to find a job, um, at the beginning of their career with the goal of trying to find an employer for life. Like they're getting married, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and there was this, this bond that was created, which was good and bad, but basically there was an assumed loyalty on both sides and assumed, uh, long long-term relationship in this world in today's day and age people are looking at jobs as stepping stones on a career path people are thinking about a career as a as a journey throughout their life with with way marks you know sort of along the way you stop at different employers to pick up different skills to give of yourself in different ways to develop in a mutually beneficial way and then once you feel like you're done growing you're done developing that skill you're done maximizing your potential for that employer you move on to another job and now i think that the statistics are something like you know 12 to 18 months 10 years Interesting. Uh, yeah so basically as an employer you should really not ask yourself the question of how can i keep somebody forever but how can i help that person giving and receiving the maximum value exchange of value while they're with me there is a book i i really enjoy and I think that it describes this really well called um, The Alliance. It's um, it's a book by the founder of LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman, uh, along with another two authors, uh, Chris Yeh and Ben Casnocha. And in that, they describe that the employee-employer relationship, we should really look at it as tours of duty. And it's like projects. And everyone, every employee is really on a tour of duty. Even if you stay with that employer, basically you're going to do one specific tour of duty and then you're going to come back together and discuss how that went. Uh, And that might have been for six months or 12 months or three months or 18 months or however long. And then you decide whether there's another tour of duty at that employer or whether, you know, you're moving on. And we should stop the charade of pretending because I think employees are expected to put on Um, an air of, oh no, I'm here. I'm here forever. Right? Like, even if you don't intend to, you should at least pretend to. And employers used to try to keep people forever, but they no longer need to because things are changing so quickly. So no one has that expectation of loyalty. No one should even pretend that it's there. What we should do is be fully loyal to each other while we're together to really create a high value exchange. 
that's a fair win-win exchange. Maybe, maybe it's my age, but that's just so sad to me. <laughs> I mm. love loyalty. I love, I love um, having a connection. For uh, of course, I've I've been with this radio station for thirty-three years on and off. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and and they are treasured relationships, and I realize how rare that is. Yeah, and, and I'm not expecting the gold watch or anything. And I've done lots of different things, but I've always come back to home base and. Uh, you know, it, to hear that that's gone is just so sad because I love seeing the growth. But also, I also see the stagnation, too, where you don't have fresh blood coming in, where you don't have fresh ideas and the, the young, the youth. And so I I can see the balance. How do you, as an employer, shift that if if you see that you need to make a change in your company and maybe some of the people aren't on board with where you want to take your company. How do you make that shift as an employer? Well, I know you just mentioned it. Change is very hard. And a lot of times people want to hold on to what they know because it's familiar and comfortable. Um, So just as it's hard for you to let go of that vision, like, oh, wow, I don't like it that it's changed, but it is. Um, the, the change that the employer has to make, if it's based on sound reason and, and they really thought it through, it's not some kind of a knee-jerk reaction or flavor of the month change, which does create a lot of uh, resentment and animosity among employees and yeah. for good reason. But if the change is the right thing, or at least... It's as, as right as you can tell right now because nothing's perfect and you never know 100%. Um, then you have to, the first thing you have to do is explain. You have to give people the vision of where you're going, why you've made that decision, help them understand how the future that you're moving towards is better. And it's better for the organization, for the constituents. And it'll be better for many of the employees, but not for everyone. So sometimes people will then have the information they need to make a decision to say, you know, it, I can see how maybe that's better for this organization, but I'm not going to be happy in that. And I need to move on. I need to go somewhere else. And by explaining that to them, you're helping them be empowered to also be part of that decision. And for those who stay, they understand that, you know, the, the train is leaving the station and this is where we're heading and you need to get on board. Even if you're not a hundred percent sure, even if you are not one of those early adopters, but many of, you know, most people are not early adopters. So most people are kind of reluctant and in the middle and not sure how it's going to work, but you need to get on board a hundred percent. You can't keep your feet on, on the tracks and on the train. You have to move on to the train believe that it can happen and then put all your energy towards it. And if you're not willing to do that as an employee, then the employer has the responsibility uh, to the rest of the organization to, to release that person um, to, you know, you try as hard you, as you can to get them on board, mm-hmm. but if they're unwilling, then it's not the right fit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's business, nothing personal. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So one last thing before I let you go, one of your interviews that I listened to and I, I really enjoyed was nonverbal communication. You can do just as much damage unwittingly as you can verbally saying something and putting your foot in your mouth. You had yeah. mentioned something about a person that you were working with and you'd already had some friction with this person. And then she said, well, you're always judging me. 
and you hadn't said anything. <laughs> and yeah. Can you, can you talk more about that story? I, I love that story. Oh, thank you. Sure. I, I love it now. I hated it then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we've all it was, been there where it's yeah, like, it was a super painful this, experience. Yeah. Where did this come from? So yeah, if you could yeah. share that, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, um, I was the manager of the training department. This is before I started my company, and we brought on someone with a very uh, specific skill set that we were lacking um, to round out the department. And so um, sh- she was reporting to me, and I didn't have the same level of skill set in that particular arena as she. Obviously, that's why we brought her on. But this can create some, you know, as you can imagine, a little bit of friction because she was seeing things that we were doing, and she thought they could be better. So there was a lot of conversations where she would sort of criticize what we're doing. And as you can imagine, that can create yeah. a little bit of a hard relationship. But I was trying to keep an open mind, doing the best I can. I was a relatively uh, relatively new to being a manager at the time. So we did have many conversations where probably we disagreed. But in this particular conversation, what we were doing is she was sharing with me some kind of a, a work product. I think she had created a report or she designed a workshop or something like this. And I was listening to her and I was really just intent on understanding how she was describing it to really understanding what she did. And I was looking at her and listening. And then she she said, you're always judging me. And I felt really shocked at the moment. I mean, like, like, like she stabbed me or something. Like I, I couldn't believe she said that to me because it came out of complete left field. Like I didn't understand what she was. I said nothing. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her bewildered and I said, well, what do you mean? And she looked at me and she pointed to that space between her eyebrows on her forehead. And she said, and and she, she sort of scrunched her, her brows, like, like furrowed her brows. And she said, you're always judging me. You always look with, with that judging look. And the look that she was giving me, I guess she was mirroring the look that I was giving her as I was listening. And she interpreted that furrowed brow as uh, that, that, I, that it was conveying that I was thinking that she was saying something wrong, that I was disapproving. But in truth, and, and that can be, right? I've had those conversations <laughs> with her in the past. But in that particular conversation, I know for a fact that all I was doing was really concentrating. And I think that my I'm really concentrating hard look also involves furrowed brow. Yes. I didn't realize I was doing it at all. I had no conscious awareness of what I was doing with my face, but she like threw it right into my face. I mean, I was f- confronted with that fact and I, and there was nothing I could say except for to explain, you know, I, I tried, you know, I, I know that wasn't what I was thinking. This is not what I'm meaning, but I learned from that a lot, you know? So a lot of times how you look and what you do with your body, with your facial expression conveys a ton of information to people. And you need to be as aware as possible of how, what you're conveying. But you also have to recognize that even that can easily be misinterpreted, right? Like crossed arms. We've all heard, oh, if you cross your arms, that means you have a closed body position. And that means that you're uninterested in what the other person is saying. But it also could mean that the air conditioning is on freaking 40 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> and you're freezing, right? And it it can mean nothing. It can have nothing to do with disapproval. So we can often take body language out of context, which is why 
one of the things that I tell people a lot is, first of all, if you're taking body language completely out of the equation, you're leaving a lot of room for misinterpretation. Because when we don't see the person at all, or when we can't hear their voice even, if we're not on a call, but we're just emailing or text messaging, we're, we're leaving people up to their own devices to figure out what is the in-between meaning. Like, what? how did they mean that? Did they say it with a snarky tone? Or did they say it with a soft and warm tone? Or did they furrow their brow when they said it? Or were they smiling when it's, you know, if you're leaving that out completely, then there is so much potential for misunderstanding. But even if you're face to face, there still can be misunderstanding. So recognize that and do your best to convey the message that is congruent in your body and your face, congruent with what you want the other person to hear and see. And and then talk about it if, if it's not. We've been speaking with Haleli Azulai, and she owns Talent Grow. You have a fantastic uh, downloadable piece, the 10 types of conversations great leaders have with every employee. Everyone should download this. And where can they find that report? Go to talentgrow.com forward slash 10 conversations and you'll find it there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Haleli Azulai, she is the owner, founder of Talent Grow. Fantastic podcast, too. Check it out. And thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for hosting me. I enjoy talking with you, Sarah, today. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you'd like to see our guest offerings, find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Alexa. You can join us for the conversation on Facebook and see our guest offerings on selftalkradioshow.com.